Welcome to Revolution and Ideology. I'm Nick. I'm Jared. In this episode, we are talking about DAOs, Decentralized Autonomous Organizations. This is uh, really part of the series that I've been uh, researching. Um, I guess, let me reword that. It's part of my research that we are kind of doing a series on that I'm calling Cyber Anarchism uh, for very specific reasons, which we'll actually do an episode eventually on why I'm going to use that uh, sort of moniker as we continue. Um, but we've done some other episodes in this series uh, talking about like the network state, the network union, uh, responding to a couple of articles by Balaji, Srinivasan, etc. Uh, so this is just a part of that series. So really exploring how my research question is how modern technology could help bring about the end of the modern nation state. So today we're going to talk about DAOs. A DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization. It's essentially a way for people to interact with one another and perform certain tasks um, in a really unique way that's made possible by uh, technology, in this case, blockchain technology. Had you ever heard of a DAO before? Uh, no. In fact, when you first brought it up to me, like the two DAOs I know mm -hmm. of are either the Dow Jones based on this topic or, of course, like the DAO of which we've done episodes on since I'm right. a, a closet wannabe Taoist. I'm not a real Taoist. No, it's yeah. very difficult to be a real Taoist, but I'd like to be. Yeah. So this is a whole new thing. I mean, and this isn't just new to like Jared and I. This is new. Like this is a novel thing that's just come mm -hmm. about in the past couple of years, a uh, few years, I guess. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to talk about how that works. And really, it's just gonna be a short episode of explaining what a DAO is. And then I'd like to do a follow-up episode eventually on how people that are interested in challenging the status quo might make use of the DAO as a tool, uh, a DAO. So, like I said, DAO stands for Decentralized Autonomous Organization. Um, so here's just a couple of source definitions that I got from the internet, and I'll provide the links in the description. Uh, so this one says, quote, a decentralized autonomous organization is a group organized around a mission that coordinates through a shared set of rules enforced on a blockchain. So that's one. Uh, this is another definition. This comes from the white paper for MakerDAO, which is a popular DAO, which I'll talk about in a few minutes. They say, quote, decentralized autonomous organizations or DAOs are understood in the Ethereum community as largely social and technical communities centered around a particular mission or project and does not necessarily imply the existence of traditional corporate forms. So this is one thing that's really interesting. DAOs allow people to interact around a certain project or a mission, but without the traditional hierarchical, really legal form that a corporation takes on. Uh, so like I said, this is really a novel concept that's kind of in its infancy. So we're gonna see how this develops over time, but let's go through some of the uh, really why it's decentralized, why it's autonomous, and so forth. So first let's talk about decentralization in a DAO. So it's decentralized in a few ways. First, the members of the DAO can exist anywhere, physically anywhere in the world, uh, in theory, as long as they have access to internet so they can interact with the blockchain, which we'll get to in a second. And in a truly decentralized autonomous organization, there is no hierarchical leadership structure. So they don't rely on the decisions and the actions of a single individual. Um, Decision-making processes typically involve uh, voting or governance uh, by a large number of people. So it's really participatory in that sense. And I'll talk about governance in a few minutes a little bit more. Um, so it's not reliant as a traditional corporation is on sort of the beliefs or the actions or the behaviors of a CEO uh, or a board of directors or other executives. 
and so forth. In a truly decentralized DAO, there is no centralized leadership. So that's really, really important. And that's how uh, one of the ways it's decentralized. The other way it's decentralized is that we'll call them the rules, the quote unquote rules of the organization exist on a blockchain. And so it's fully transparent. So everyone, since it exists in public and viewable on a blockchain, um, everyone can view the rules. I'm not gonna go into what a blockchain is. If you don't know that, I'll post a link in the description so you can get a 101 on blockchains, but just think of it like a public ledger is really the most simplest way that you can really think about it, that uh, documents sort of transactions. Um, and so the rules of a DAO exist on a blockchain. So it, there's a history that can be documented and everyone can see it. This actually was, was the real revolution that Ethereum brought to the blockchain world that Bitcoin didn't have was this ability to host these quote unquote rules. The technical term for this is a smart contract. That's what it is. Um, and it's code that is deployed to the blockchain. So Ethereum was really the first that had this capability. And this is how, why Ethereum uh, was better, I guess, depending on your perspective, uh, than Bitcoin. What it really added to the whole blockchain ecosystem is that you can now host these things on the blockchain. Um, think of it as like computer code that you can just put out on the blockchain and anyone can interact with. I'll go through an example of what this looks like um, in a minute. You don't also mentioned it's better like ecological footprint, but... Uh... Not yet. That'll come in ETH2 when it okay. goes to proof of stake. But okay. yeah, it's okay. coming. Okay. Um, yeah, that was not in the first iteration. It also uh, uses incredible amounts of resources. So just think of it as like the rules of this organization, instead of being tied up in like a file cabinet somewhere or on some private server for like a corporation, it's just out in public. So anyone can read the rules and anyone can interact with the organization in this way. You've actually interacted with a smart contract and you didn't even know it um, through your use of NBA Top Shot. We've done an episode on Top Shot and our uh, sort of interest there. Uh, yeah, it's been an absolute nightmare. Yeah, Jared hates it now. We're both out and completely. Yeah, yeah but that's anyway, a whole other for episode. the 50 people that watch that episode. Uh, yeah. Clearly, NBA is not. I, well, I love the NBA, but it's clearly not our viewership's uh, interest. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, yeah, go ahead and watch that. So, We're out now. <laughs> yeah. So NBA Top Shot, Dapper Labs, the creative NBA Top Shot, they actually have their own blockchain called Flow, and it can host smart contracts. And so they have smart contracts that rule essentially the entire NBA Top Shot ecosystem. So there's one specific contract that is the marketplace contract. So anytime you're buying and selling NBA top shots, you're interacting with this smart contract on the blockchain and you can go in and read the code, I've read it. And so it says things like, you know, like you would send a transaction to the smart contract saying, I want to buy uh, this moment number 5,000 for $20. And it, the code then executes on the blockchain and says, okay, I'm gonna go out and see if that moment is for sale from the seller and what the price is. And then it, it executes based on if right these things are true. So yes, this moment is for sale. Yes, the asking price is less than the price that you are offering. Yet all of these things, it goes through this checklist and then if all of these things are met, it executes the code. The thing that's really interesting about it is that no person has to be involved in that process, right? No human being right. has to approve or disapprove like what's going on and it's all hosted out in the open, in this case on the blockchain. So there, it's not on a private server, right? That is typical of most corporations, right? Like if you post a tweet, all of that processing is happening on Twitter's private servers that they fully have control over. In this case, the smart contract is hosted out in the public 
I was going to say out in the ether, which would be like a Ethereum pun, mm-hmm. but I won't do that. Don't um, do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's all out there for anyone to read and anyone can interact with it. And so you can submit a transaction to this blockchain. And as long as you have met these requirements, then it will process. It's not entirely true for Flow because they still have centralized control over the blockchain, but that's a whole other thing. They're not a DAO, but it's just a good example of a blockchain or a smart contract that Jared ha- and I both have um interacted with yeah so, that centralized control is a problem so i'm hoping you tell us uh what's going to be different about these DAOs. yeah exactly. that's that's why we're out is because of the centralized control exactly. it has been a nightmare yeah, yeah. dapper labs is, has it locked down to a point that literally just makes it completely asinine to interact with but that's a whole other thing for a different conversation um how are they autonomous they're autonomous in a few ways first as i mentioned they function independently from any single individual if they're truly decentralized um, this example, NBA Top Shots, is clearly not decentralized. They are a company, a uh, formal corporation. But a DAO that would be decentralized is independent from any single individual. Um, like I mentioned, this is a strike, striking contrast from a traditional corporation, right, with a CEO and a board of directors and like so forth. Um, those positions don't exist in a DAO. Um, they're also autonomous, and this is where we get into this interesting talking about how could we challenge the status quo using DAOs as sort of a tool, is that they can exist outside of any legal jurisdiction, meaning that they are not bound by the rules of a central government. Now, this is really complex and depends on what the DAO is doing, um, what its main function is, and how its money is handled, and so forth. But it is possible for a DAO, since it exists in the virtual world, it doesn't have a physical location, etc., that it can exist outside of governmental jurisdiction, which is a huge, huge uh, benefit if you're part of a group or something that's trying to challenge a government, as an example, challenge the status quo in some serious way uh, where you could be censored and so forth. Um, But, though, interestingly, if you are a DAO, you could elect to fall under a specific legal jurisdiction um, if you wanted to. So that's an option that you have. So, uh, and this has only come about relatively recently. Wyoming just released legislation, uh, I wanna say just a few weeks ago, I can't remember when I first saw it, a month or so when it actually passed, where they are recognizing decentralized autonomous organizations as formal corporations. So uh, there might be benefits to that uh, as well. So the DAO at least has the option of either existing outside of uh, the rule of a central government, or if they so choose to exist under, in this case, Wyoming's, Um, government. It's also interesting that many DAOs have the decentralized part that exists outside of sort of legal jurisdiction. And then some of them have a foundation that is a traditional like nonprofit foundation that sort of guides the DAO uh, in certain capacities. So they would be like a formal arm of the DAO that has employees, etc. And that operates as a formal uh, nonprofit. So it can the DAO itself is decentralized, but there's a foundation that helps it function in some way. So we wouldn't call that 100% decentralized. Um, It's sort of like a mashup between a traditional corporation, a fully decentralized autonomous organization, and this sort of mixture of the two, which is a DAO plus a foundation that uh, runs sort of day-to-day operations. It's kind of interesting too, just to think about uh, the word organization in this context. I have the definition here from Oxford English Dictionary. And it defines an organization as, quote, an organized body of people with a particular purpose as a business, government, department, governmental department, charity, etc. So DAOs even challenge the way uh, that we think of organizations because they are organized bodies of people with a particular purpose, but they're not a business or a government or a charity, right, uh, in the 
traditional ways that we would think of those. So we really have to redefine what it means to be a group of people working together in the case of a DAO. Okay, let's go through a super simple example that will kind of tie all this together and I hope makes sense. We can see how a smart contract functions and stuff like that. Let's say that we wanted to create a DAO that functioned to exchange cryptocurrency. And I'm using this example very specifically, even though uh, many of you might not be well-versed in cryptocurrency because this is what a lot of DAOs are currently doing. So let's say Jared has a bunch of Ethereum and he wants to convert it into Bitcoin. And at the same time, I have a bunch of Bitcoin that I want to convert into Ethereum. Now we don't know each other, we're completely anonymous. We only exist as these addresses right on the internet. And so let's say that someone had created a DAO that was facilitated exchanging currencies. And so it would have a smart contract with all kinds of rules in there. And so as an example, it could say, if someone uh, has deposited enough Bitcoin into the DAO's address, then another person can uh, withdraw that Bitcoin if they deposit something of equal value, as an example. So how this would work is Jared and I, completely independent of each other, not even knowing who each other's are, uh, that we even exist, right? I forget, I said you had the Ethereum, I think, and you wanted mm. Bitcoin and I had mm -hmm. the Bitcoin. Wanted, so yeah. I would put my Bitcoin into the wallet address of the DAO and interacting with this smart contract. Jared would put his Ethereum in the wallet address of the DAO. And then I would withdraw the Ethereum and Jared would withdraw the Bitcoin and we would have completed this transaction. Now, that sounds really simple. You're like, okay, what's the big deal on that? Well, the big deal is the reason that this is really novel and interesting is because we did that without knowing who each other were. We never interacted one with one another at all. So completely anonymous as far as this whole transaction goes down and no one knows who the participating parties are. Also, there's no human being that facilitated that uh, transaction at all. No one had to approve it. We didn't have to prove our identities to anyone. We didn't have to file documentation with the IRS. Uh, none of these things had to happen. We literally just interacted with a smart contract with these rules on the blockchain and we were able to do exactly what we wanted to do. And so no government was involved, right? Like I said, there were no regulations we had to follow, right? We didn't have to follow finance, banking regulations in the United States or in the UK or anything like none of that had to happen. It didn't matter who we were, uh, as long as we were able to meet the rules of the smart contract, we were able to conduct our transaction. By the way, this is a really simplified version of what uh, the technological term is DeFi, decentralized finance. Um, and so this is a really popular thing that's going on right now. In fact, if you're curious and you aren't in the crypto space, you've never heard of it. If you are, you've definitely heard of it. Uniswap is uh, the most popular exchange that does exactly what I just said, but on a much bigger scale. Um, so they're a DAO that is a DEX, a decentralized exchange. Um, so they're a DAO that does this on a massive scale, millions and millions of dollars. Um, so interesting, you can Google Uniswap and I'll post a link in the description. Another interesting thing about DAOs is how decision-making is done. So like what should happen and certain things about how the rules exist. And these are typically done using governance tokens. So DAOs typically issue a cryptocurrency that is uh, unique to the DAO. So Uniswaps, I think is just Uni, U-N-Y. I think that's the, uh, uh, the tag for Uniswaps governance token. Uh, MakerDAO, as an example, which I'll talk about in a second, also has theirs. So 
on the market in any of these exchanges, you can go buy some of these currencies and then you get to vote on the policy of the DAO. So they will put uh, anyone, depending on I guess how their voting goes, but usually anyone can put forth a proposal and anyone that holds those tokens can then vote on that proposal using their tokens. So as an example, um, like MakerDAO is a decentralized finance DAO as well. So they do like collateralized loans. So if I have Ethereum, but I want to borrow uh, US dollar coins, USDC, I can deposit my Ethereum as collateral and then against that collateral borrow USDC. So they set interest rates. So the interest rate to borrow USDC might be 4% or something like that. They could put together a proposal and say, we want to raise the interest rate to 5% and then people holding their governance token would vote on yes or no to change that interest rate, just as a really simplified example. Um, that's not how simple it goes in the real world. But you I get mean, definitely idea. much more democratized exactly. than the Fed. Like yes. the Fed is what, yeah. you know, 12 to 15, like, you know, just heads yep. of major banks telling us the way interest mm -hmm. is going to work for the, for all of us. No, exactly. Yeah. That's one of the key points of a DAO is this decentralized governance, right? It's not perfect because it's still, for the most part, might makes right because whoever can afford to buy the most tokens, right, gets to basically approve or disprove their proposals. And um, this is how some of the founders of DAOs can maintain some centralization as far as decision-making comes, because when you're issuing the governance tokens, you would clearly uh, keep the majority for yourself so that you can still govern uh, what's going on. But, well, and the more coins controls the flow, right? The supply and the demand of- Exactly, of, yeah, 100%, yep. Yeah, token economics for those of you that are well-versed in the uh, crypto world out there. But it's a really interesting potential, right, that the, the, using these governance tokens to determine how the DAO operates. It's not hugely different than shares in a corporation, right? The shareholders of a public corporation get to vote on certain things that happen. Um, but this is, in theory, has the potential to be much more decentralized, much more fair, right? much more participatory so anyone can submit a proposal on how this should go depending on what the DAO is doing right we're focusing on decentralized finance because it's the most common uh, form of a DAO now um, so it's really really interesting how governance happens um, because it's through these governance tokens so like you're all probably heard of bitcoin and ethereum and so forth those don't give you any kind of governance power, right? Just because you hold Bitcoin, you don't get to vote on what happens in the Bitcoin e ecosystem, um, as an example. But in a DAO, you do. So if you own uh, Uni, Uniswap's token, or MakerDAO's governance token, etc., you do get to participate in the governance of that DAO. Um, interesting too, like Uniswap and MakerDAO, etc., these decentralized finance DAOs have massive treasuries. So what they do is, every time a transaction takes place, like the transaction I explained Jared and I doing, they take a percentage. And it's usually very small, um, but let's say they take a tenth of a percent of that amount, right? That goes into the treasury of the DAO. And these DAOs have massive treasuries. In fact, there's a website I'll post a link to that lists the current valuation of all of their treasuries. And so the people that own governance tokens in that DAO get to decide what to do with that treasury. So very often they might decide to issue it out to the holders of certain tokens or the people that are providing liquidity to a certain pool or all kinds of different things. So it's really, really interesting um, how the treasuries are managed also, right? Their bank accounts, essentially, even though they're not bank accounts, they're just wallets <laughs> on the blockchain. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. Governance is really, really interesting. Just a few examples of DAOs that exist. MakerDAO, I already mentioned, is in decentralized finance, and it literally is like, um, collateralized loans. So I can put Ethereum 
in an account as collateral and then I can withdraw, I can take a loan in USDC or Bitcoin or any number of different things. AVA, that's A-A-V-E, also exists in decentralized finance. Compound, another example. A curve is another example. Uniswap is the most prominent exchange. So there it's all about exchanging tokens. So you can swap Bitcoin for uh, Ethereum or whatever, any number. There, there's hundreds of coins, that tokens that they support that you can swap there. Uniswap, like I said, is by far the biggest. SushiSwap is kind of a evolution of Uniswap. It's very popular as well. Uh, same function, just to exchange. And you might ask yourself like, why do I need, why would I ever use Uniswap? I could just use Coinbase. That's true, you can use Coinbase. And Uniswap essentially is the decentralized version of Coinbase. So on Coinbase, I guess we're getting in the weeds in crypto here, but on Coinbase, you don't actually control your wallet. It's called a custodial wallet and Coinbase controls the private keys. If you want to have a truly private wallet where you possess the keys, then you can exchange your tokens on, that's when you would use Uniswap. You wouldn't be able to use Coinbase for those exchange functions, but you could buy and sell an exchange on Uniswap. That's why it's called a DEX, a decentralized exchange. All right, we could go on forever, but that's enough, I think, for a very, very basic high-level understanding of what a DAO is. Um, like I said, I really want to do another episode when I have time to think about really how people that are challenging status quos, whether that's governments, uh, etc., can make use of DAOs since this is such a new phenomenon. I mean, this is like less than a year old that we've had this explosion of decentralized finance DAOs. That's really the first place where we've seen these uh, working is challenging the dominance of the financial institutions all across the world, right? So I don't have to use Coinbase as an example, I can use Uniswap and I don't have to go to my bank to get a loan. If I have crypto wealth, I can get a loan just on MakerDAO. Um, as an example. Um, so I don't have to interact with traditional finance at all. Uh, if I am just existing in the crypto world, I can do it all through uh, interacting with just these DAOs. So that's really the first time we've seen DAOs function to kind of challenge the status quo. It's in the financial world. Um, I'm really interested in what the sort of ne next evolutions will be of how this mechanism can be used to challenge governments and other uh, oppressive regimes and so we'll do another episode in the future about what that looks like. Maybe new DAOs will be formed or maybe um, I will put together, I mean, I'll definitely do this, hypotheticals for how this could look uh, in the future. Anything to add before we I really finish? don't. That was a complete education for me since none of this is in my wheelhouse. So yeah. I don't have anything to chime in with. Cool. Catch us online, revolutionandideology.com. Um, if you're listening to this on your podcast app, leave us a comment and a rating that will help us find more listeners. If you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe and leave us a comment. Um, leave us a comment and think about, uh, let us know what you think about DAOs and their potential and really help us think through how organizations that are challenging governments and other social institutions could make use of the DAO uh, framework. I'm Nick. Jared. Later. <laughs>